0: Hi, this is Dr. Jaz Sani with the Bridge Builders Podcast. My co-host is Dr. Edwin Cruz. Thanks for joining us today. A resounding theme of our previous episodes has been the importance of improving healthcare quality and safety by focusing care on patients and consumers. It is our great pleasure to dive deeper into how we can do this with Leanne Wells. Leanne is the Chief Executive Officer of the Consumers Health Forum of Australia. She's a health advocate and service executive with over 30 years experience. Leanne, welcome to the Bridge Builders podcast. Very excited to have you on board and uh, great to be able to ask some questions uh, about how we can better engage with people that we serve and the people that we enjoy looking after. What are we health professionals in general, and specifically doctors, doing right when engaging with consumers?
1: what um, doctors and GPs in particular are doing right, I think we can look to the ABS patient experience survey um, in part to answer that question, where we're told that um, patients place place a high value on um, having a GP and their relationship with the GP. I, I mean, I think that also extends to Placing a high value on primary health care, and we certainly see that um, in our own surveys where access to, to pharmacy um, and, and that community pharmacy setting so access to any primary health care in a community setting that's really accessible, like general practice and pharmacy. Um, are highly valued by people um, and I'm, I'm sort of bringing in pharmacy there quite deliberately too because we can talk a lot about what needs to improve um, in a moment and just at the you know at the really cold face level you know some of the things that um, doctors are doing right you know there's there's growing use of email um, you know, I think there's certainly growing realisation that people have busy lives so that people value and want um, convenience from their general practice. But, you know, that said, they're, they're scattered developments and and I think at a broader level, we share, I think, a growing frustration with the limitations of the way general practice is funded these days, that the limitations of fee for service. And I think the other thing that, um, you know, doctors are doing right and working with consumers on this increasingly, but perhaps not as intensively as we would like, is, and this is at a a system level, I suppose, um, is the realisation that we do need to focus on value based care. What are, what do people value? What are people prepared to pay for? Because we are payers through through out of pockets and through the tax system. Um, and and linked to that, the realisation that um, you know, GPs as you know, referrers. Um, patients as payers, we've all we've all got a stewardship role there. So I think you know some of the um, areas where we're seeing you know clinical leadership, like choosing wisely. Um, you know, in terms of doing things right, I think let's let's take some stewardship and responsibility for, you know, how, how the system's delivering value-based care is is a really you know pretty exciting development. I like that
2: concept of uh, stewardship, Leanne. What do you think that we as health professionals or health organisations should be doing better?
1: If we're thinking about the answer to that question in terms of what consumers actually want from their healthcare providers and what could be done better. Being being cognizant of convenience and the things that matter to patients, you know, they, they value time being spent with them, they value being listened to, they value, you know, having their choices explained to them and being and having their choices stepped through with them. Not everyone wants to jump straight into surgery and you know those, you know more intrusive, higher cost um, procedures and interventions. Most people want to stay out of hospital, so knowing what some options are there is really important. They they want to see their health providers collaborate, and they want to be they want to feel that they've got um, permission. Um, they want to feel empowered to to ask the questions, and that comes down to. You know some pretty fundamental attitudes. Um, you know, you do hear some some doctors say how frustrated they get when when someone has been googling. You know, and and you know that the fear, perhaps it's fear. I don't know what motivates that, but you know that, that their knowledge is being questioned somehow by a patient. Where I would look at it another way, and I would suggest to doctors that um, you know if you've got someone coming into a into a consultation who has bothered to do that, I think that actually tells you something about their level of activation. We need to be thinking about different levels of patient activation. I mean, a disengaged, you know, heart sync patient is going to be much more difficult, I would imagine, for you guys to work with. Whereas at least someone who has been on the internet, having a look at some of the literature, you know, I would imagine, and I'd like to suggest that they're they're, they're more engaged, they're ready to act and, and um, you know more responsive and, and you know probably more likely to ask the questions. And I think just the final point I would make on what can we be doing better or what can you be doing better? I have to say I do watch with frustration you know some of the the banter across the tutorsphere you know between general practice and pharmacy, you know in these times where what we are dealing with is you know multimorbidity, People with busy lives, um, you know, people have got a pretty low tolerance to turf wars and, and that that sort of thing between the professions. You know, I think patients have every expectation that their provider is going to work together and, and organisations like CHF should, should have every expectation that... Um, that that follows through into the conduct and philosophy of peak bodies for for those professions, that there's actually goodwill um, and good faith in having the discussions about how they can work together and and fit into a system of team-based multidisciplinary care that, that works to the benefit of the patient.
2: I think you're touching on a um, on a very interesting topic because you are right. The uh, interactions between some of the community pharmacists and some of the GPs and doctors on Twitter is not always uh, exemplary, unfortunately. It seems very hard for these groups to come together. Mm. What do you think is the way forward mm. here?
1: Well, I mean, look, I think multiple, multiple solutions to that question Initiatives like this, you know, bridge builders and the philosophy behind behind that, you know, getting getting conversations happening between the different players in the system is a good start. Um, you know, CHF participated in a in a, a small summit that the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia had recently, around you know principles by which GPs and pharmacists could you know abide by and work together. So you know, some collaborative spirit is good you know, a greater focus on interprofessional education and interprofessional collaborative practice and having the education system and the CPD arrangements and, you know, the brokerage role that primary health networks can play, bringing professions together um, are really good ways of breaking down some of those. Because often, you know, this is driven by misinformation and misunderstanding about what each of the professions do, um, turf war—it's whole complex array of factors, but often it just comes down to the good old-fashioned fundamentals of getting people round the table. Um, you know, initiatives like health pathways um, that, that you know Medicare Locals initiated and and primary health networks are now carrying through, where um, you know some of the more systemic tensions and issues between and referral blockages between general practice and hospitals and general practice and specialists, um, you know, clinical working groups that actually sit down and nut through a problem with, with a, a patient pathway or a clinical pathway as, a, as the anchor point all help to play a role there, I think.
0: Leanne, there are a few key themes emerging here. Just touching on a few points and hoping to summarise and check if I'm hearing you correctly. What patients want is a combination of a few things and the words that I hear loud and strong for you were value, convenience, and feeling empowered. They're also hearing a lot of conversations that healthcare professionals, um, such as pharmacists, general practitioners, and a range of other health professions are having, um, such as uh, you mentioned the word sphere. What sort of impact are these conversations having? Do patients or consumers feel we're operating as a health system in a collaborative and cohesive way? If so, what are their thoughts on moving this forward? And if not, what are the frustrated voices that you're hearing from patients or consumers?
1: The number one thing we we get um, noise about at CHF is private health insurance. There's no doubt about that. That's not so much relevant to this conversation, but the, the other big issue that comes through time and time again for us as we're developing our budget submissions, we're currently out there at the moment, um, you know, consulting our members for our election platform. It's the issue of um, you know, poorly connected care and, and the challenges of navigating complexity in the system. That that's That's the patient frustration. And I think that's... A shared frustration. I've often heard GPs say, oh gosh, you know, if only I would known that that service um, existed down the road and that was a referral option for me and my patients. So, you know, I think we've got to get better at um, getting a, a clearer lens on, on what's available in the system because often it's a case of um, different, not more. Um, you know, we don't often, you know, it doesn't always have to be that we have to spend more money it's often the case that we just need to find out what mix of services are out there and better connect them. Or at the other end of the spectrum, you know, PHN is playing a role, not only better connecting them, but perhaps getting them together to sort of have a, a, a look at how they can redesign or reconfigure how they work together and integrate. So I think that's that's the wicked problem we've got. But it's also the absolute opportunity we've got because we, we do have pretty amazing health workforce in this country we do have activated consumers we've got we've got architecture like primary health networks and lhds you know i think we can you know make great inroads i think what we've got to sort of address also is some of the um, you know some of the frustrations that that providers experience as well which is you know the limitations of you know Medicare fee for service and the fact that that sort of drives activity based stuff and that practices don't have flexibility and agility to sort of sort of organize themselves to offer what they would believe to be optimal for their patients as well and the other the other comment I would make too is that um, I think there's scope for some really good, positively focused patient and consumer and, and clinical alliances to to get together to talk about the how you know how do we how do we um, Make patient-centered healthcare more of a reality rather than than rhetoric. We we know from a workforce survey we did a couple of years ago. We surveyed um, all the uh, professional associations and asked them a number of questions about, you know, to what extent do you have policies in place around patient-centered care? To what extent does your CPD sort of touch on this? Your know, whole range of questions along those sort of lines, and you know, there's the results. Which you'd hope to see, certainly said, look, we 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 absolutely subscribe to the idea that the pa- that the system needs to be organised around the patient, that we need to be focused on the patient. Um, but how we do that well, how we translate that philosophy into practice that that really speaks to patients that they are the focus and the centre point of all of this, is is where we've got variation in practice. So. Yeah, I think it's a you know, short answer to your question is we've got to all get around the table. That's interesting,
2: and so you you're saying there seems to be a will, but how to get there is uh, challenging and not entirely clear. I'm interested to hear from you from a consumer's health forum point of view, what are some of the facilitators and the barriers you have encountered or seen? with regards to engaging with health professionals, professional bodies and healthcare organisations?
1: Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, we, we are, as CHF, you know, a very small organisation, um, a very small secretariat. I think there's a lot that we could be doing, working with um, professional groups um, that we don't have the capacity to do. But I think I think some of the barriers, they're, they're in part attitudinal, but the barriers are more structural and systemic, I think, that um, uh, clinicians uh, are working in a system that put cons- puts constraints on them. So the fever service arrangements and things like that I was talking about earlier. You know, professionals are busy. They're running, you know, particularly GPs and others. You're, you're running small businesses. So, um, you know, taking the time out and being supported to take the time out to think about change. Um, And I think, you know, that's certainly what we're hearing um, with the government's healthcare home program. Um, I think we'd all acknowledge that that's had problems in design and problems in execution. But putting putting the particular model, uh, because that healthcare home program is a particular manifestation of a patient and family-centred healthcare home model, Putting that aside, I think, you know, what we're hearing loud and clear is that you, you just can't click your fingers, wave a wand and and expect that um, a busy uh, small business general practice can reconfigure itself or change itself or change its philosophy without um, a fair amount of change management um, and part of that and fundamental to that is, Patients are uh, subscribing to a new way of a practice doing business. So, you know, the, the whole, you know, how do you achieve transformation um, when when on the whole a common wisdom is that we do need to modernise Medicare to be more responsive to contemporary healthcare needs for consumers in the community these days is a real shared challenge, um, but but nonetheless, I think it's one that um, you know is exercising all our minds and energising um, many people at the moment. That that's our opportunity.
0: Leon, in regards to um, some of the variability in healthcare, um, I guess one of the uh, the advantages of having an organisation like the Consumers Health Forum is that it keeps us very conscious of the need to map our services around patients, um, rather than expecting our patients to navigate a very complex and chaotic healthcare system. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts about how we as health professionals and healthcare organisations can better uh, interact with Consumers Health Forum or similar consumer-facing organisations, and uh, what can we be doing better to support you in the work that you're doing?
1: what we're really talking about is where we've got a shared problem or a common purpose we we have to find ways of working together and we'll there'll be things we agree to disagree on but but where we where we do agree i think there's enormous power in clinical and and consumer or patient alliances and we've we've tried to do that at chf through initiatives like our grandly titled you know thought thought leadership roundtables. but what we actually do is pick an issue and we've done a couple this year we did one on digital health futures um big area of change you know area where there's some resistance to change on both the consumer side and the and the clinician side where we've got people racing ahead and they're well ahead of the wave we did one on um primary and integrated care, where, where we bring, literally do what I was just saying, we get round the table, round table format, Chatham House rules, and have the discussion together about what problem are we trying to solve? What would some of the practical, implementable um, recommendations be? I think that's that's our big challenge, and that's the point at which we converge. We've got to converge around how can implementation work, because The easy bit is to agree on a vision, arguably, or a policy intent, um, you know, around something like My Health Record, for example, which is pretty topical at the moment. But how that's implemented, how the change is managed... um, who plays what role in that change and implementation across the consumer and clinical communities um, you know, are, are really you know the ingredients that, that are really going to drive transformation in our system. So I don't know whether that's answering your question, but I think it is about getting around the table. That That's at the policy system level. I think we can see that also playing out and we can contemplate ways that the community and consumers and clinicians can get together to look at local improvements to services and, and um, service enhancements locally. But I think one of the, the big barriers is still, and this is the sort of attitudinal side of it, is that the fact that you know there is information asymmetry and power imbalance. The the clinical community is powerful, has a lot of information attends meetings in great numbers and often it's the the one consumer at a table with, you know, 10 clinicians, you know, whether that's, you know, in a local health pathways meeting or whether that's in, a, in an MBS review working group, um, that can be really quite daunting um, if you're a consumer. You have to be a pretty robust and confident person to um, be an effective consumer advocate in those sort of settings when you've got other other issues like information asymmetry and, and power imbalance at play. And that's where we've, you know, sort of thought, well, what can we as CHF do in a constructive way to start looking at that issue and what might some of the solutions to that issue be? And, um, you know, I know one of the issues or one of the The um, CHF initiatives you're interested in talking about and learning a bit more about was collaborative pairs. So, we found this program that the King's Fund run, initiated in in the UK, called Collaborative Pairs. And what really piqued my interest with that was that it is a, a leadership program, for a better way of describing it, that brings together consumers and clinicians in pairs, or it might be a health administrator and a practice manager and a consumer advisor or a chair of a PHN community advisory committee, but that that sort of duo to a leadership development training program that's delivered across the course of six months, five sessions, where they learn to work together Focused on the anchor of a of a shared problem, a shared work challenge, a joint project, and that that just struck me as well. You know, if we if we want to, you know, rather than just continue to say, oh well, you know, there's information asymmetry and there's power imbalance, and consumers will never be equal and regarded as equal in these sorts of issues. Well, you know, where we where we learn together, learn improvement methodology together. Come up with solutions to problems together. You know something like that—that's quite coalface face—should uh, help to break some of that down. So that's that's why we are implementing that collaborative pairs program um, in the first instance as a national demonstration. Because uh, not everything you know imports. You know you see things from New Zealand and Canada and other countries, and you think, oh, that's a good idea. They don't necessarily import here, so you know we're really looking to test out whether that um, is 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 fit for purpose here, whether it does make a difference, and if it does, then um, we'd be hoping that um, other funders and other other um, players in the system will pick it up and run with it. So at the moment, we're working with four PHNs on that. And we have um, the support of the Australian Commission on Safety and Quality in Healthcare to evaluate that. So I think, you know, I think we all have a shared obligation to just get over the hump and look at um, and test out and have a crack at some things that can can bring us together, both at the sort of big policy table nationally, but, but um, you know, through, you know, just through the sort of patient-clinician relationship, through, through you know, promising things like collaborative pairs
2: I think that's a fascinating uh, project and uh, I think it's a really good way to get consumers and, uh, and health professionals uh, like you said around the table and talk about uh, solutions and the way forward is that project open to anyone interested or is it still in a trial stage with uh, limited participation
1: I'm glad you asked that question because we have had great interest in it. At the moment, its access to it is limited to the four PHNs that are participating in it. But because we have had interest from outside those four PHN walls, um, we are looking at running a couple of national open registration programs um, and bringing that into the national demonstration. So we'll be kicking that off um, early, early in the new year. And I think another thing, another point I would make, um, just thinking about your initiative, Bridge Builders, I think, which is fantastic. Professional colleges have their own conferences. There really isn't many forums where the consumer community come together. You know, there are state-based peak organisations. But um, one of the things that might be really timely to do is to look at a Bridge Builders conference of some kind or national forum where we actually have more equal numbers and, and much more come to the table to talk about some of these issues um, um, outside of our silos. Because often you'll see a very small peppering, if if no peppering, of consumer participation or involvement in professional college and, and um, medical conferences and symposiums and things like that.
2: Yeah, I would agree with you there, Lianne. and it sometimes feels like it's almost a tick-box exercise to make sure that there is a consumer, but are we really interested in the consumer view or um, is it more that mm-hmm. you know, it's expected to have mm-hmm. a consumer there? It would be much more interesting to have a wider group of consumers attending those kind of conferences and meetings because you also get a, a more diverse uh, range of ideas and solutions if you have uh, more consumer representation. There.
1: That's right. I mean, I think that's the point. You know, one, one consumer on a panel at a conference has a level of value, but um, a broader set of perspectives coming in is, is going to give you a different flavour and a different set of insights again. Because consumers segment, <laughs> don't they? I mean, you know, uh, they're not all the same. They all have different expectations. They all have different socio-economic demographic profiles. You know, there's the overlay of cultural issues and cultural expectations. So, you know, no no single advocate can, can really do justice to uh, that diversity.
0: I'm really, really fascinated by all that you have to say, Leanne. Uh, I guess from my perspective, the one thing that I've really been interested in and that I'd love your perspective on is the idea of patient-reported experience measures and patient-reported outcome measures. This is certainly a territory that PHNs are starting to explore and practices are certainly starting to move in this direction by adopting tools such as from the ACI. I wonder if you had any thoughts on that?
1: Look, uh, it's pretty pretty direct perspective, um, Jaspreet. It's, they shouldn't be negotiable, they should be just built in um, and they should be meaningfully used. And the other measure that we're becoming increasingly interested in is, uh, you know, patient activation measures. Because if, we, if we're if we serious about, you know, better managing chronic disease, if we're uh, serious about really equipping patients to self-manage as well, then getting a far better grasp on not only what patient experience and outcomes are, but getting a, a sort of a more measurable objective grasp on their level of activation is is another thing that we'd like to see taken up a bit more systemically.
2: Some great ideas there, Leanne. I'm also fascinated by your idea of a Bridge Builders conference. I'd love to talk more to you about that.
1: Let's do that. <laughs> yeah,
2: great idea.
0: Uh, Leanne, I'd just really like to thank you. Uh, part of the wonderful aspects of a forum like Bridge Builders is to get people like yourself on and to get a voice in the conversation that actually really matters, which is the consumer voice. Uh, We talk a lot about consumer activation, about co-creation and co-production of care, but I don't think any of us really realise what that is. We certainly need your continued and concerted efforts in this field, and I think we should all be doing more to really take some time to listen to you, Uh, read your newsletters on a regular basis, so I'm sure there are things that are already in existence that people can access right now to get an understanding of what uh, Consumers Health Forum is and what you all do. So really heartfelt gratitude to you for coming and joining us.
1: Thank you for the opportunity and I think we've drawn out a lot of concepts. I think your comment, your summary of, you know, we're talking about value, we're talking about convenience, we're talking about how do we equip patients and consumers to feel valued, to be partners in care of that. That sounds like a lot of rhetoric but it's actually meaningful and it's it's that change that's going to make a difference to our health system and congratulations to you two I think the uh, team that uh, put bridge builders together I think it's a great concept and would love to have a conversation offline about some sort of symposium or conference that um, is very much a bridge builder consumer collaboration.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you Leanne thanks very much.
1: Thanks both thank you.
0: For more information about Bridge Builders, our blog or this podcast, please visit bridgebuilders.vision.